All right, what's up, everyone? Perfect. It is Amar. Uh, we are here at the Project Illumination Show. I got a really good buddy of mine. His name's Nish, and I'm just excited to hear his story and teach you guys, you know, his, you know, what he's been doing with the tea industry. He's completely flipped it upside down. Runs a six-figure tea business, and while that's cool, I think what he's actually doing behind the scenes is even cooler. And such a powerful story, and just what he's doing for people in Nepal. His motto is, do you know where your tea comes from? Uncle Nish. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, the nickname we all give him. And he also just his, you know, his mission is to use tea as a catalyst for social change. So I'm excited. Nish, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Omar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to connect. And um, yeah, I'm just excited. Heck yeah. Dude. Okay. So tell me. Because you, you you haven't been in the U.S. for super long, right? I mean, you were obviously born in Nepal. What year did you come to the U.S.? Uh, 2011. Okay. And then what was your original intention? Oh, yeah, that's a good question, really. Because uh, my the reason I came to the U.S. was to become a CPA. So I actually wanted to become a CPA. Um, but obviously... Um, you know, the four years of liberal arts college in a very small college completely killed the CPA in me. And now, <laughs> now, now, now I'm here selling teas. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, you went from numbers to now just sipping. Which yeah. Is, and, uh, and, yeah. And the interesting part is behind all of this is kind of like my inspiration, which is actually a seven-year-old kid. And that kid literally changed my life upside down and basically made me um, care where I am right now. Um, yeah, what, I can share the story. Definitely story share that. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Before you do, yeah. what school did you go to? Colby Sawyer College in New Hampshire. Where is that? New Hampshire. Got it. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Okay, go go for it. Tell me about this yeah. seven-year-old. So, so yeah, basically um, I came here, 2011 was completely, you know, I knew what I had to do, like, you know, um, I needed to become a CPA. So I was doing my business degree in a very small undergrad, um, you know, uh, liberal arts college. I knew what classes to take, internships, everything was pretty much lined up, right? But it was my first time coming to the US. So it was, um, and I came to, came to New York first for about, uh, about uh, a month and then went to New Hampshire in Colby Sora College. I thought it was a completely different country. When I went there, it was, it was there was nothing really, right? From New York and, to New Hampshire. Yeah, so it was it was nothing. And then the first first semester was kind of like okay, um, and it was just exciting just because I was you know I was in a different country, I had my freedom and all that kind of stuff. But I guess the second year is kind of um, where it hit me, where you know there weren't much many college many college activities or kind of like you know clubs and organizations or things that I could actually get involved in because it, it was a very small college. Um, and I constantly thought about what if I had gone to a big uni university or whatever, right? Um, I probably would have a lot more opportunities and you know, a lot more, you know, just connections and all these things I could do. That was my constant thought. And you know, it, was, it was kind of becoming a little depressing, but there's this English teacher um, who basically told us in one um, you know, kind of like a conversation is, you know, this is the honors program. We have some funds. If we had some funds, what would you do to change the world? Was kind of like a basic overarching question to all of the honor students. And I remember me and my one of my friends, uh, his actual name is Amigo. And um, oh, really? And he, yes, his name is Amigo. And he's actually from Nepal, my best friend from about 18 years now. And we came to the same college. Um, and 
everybody was talking about, you know, hey, we could use those funds to go to like museums in different countries and all these things and, um, you know, learn about their culture, heritage and all that. And then, well, that is good, obviously. What we were really thinking, how we were thinking were like, we're missing our home a lot. And this is kind of like a very interesting opportunity where we might be able to get some funds to actually go to Nepal and, you know, be with our, be with our family, but at the same time, do some form of a project That's where, genius. you know, yeah. And where we could take some American students and show them what Nepal is like, really not just go to museums, but make them live with us so that they understand the culture and heritage and everything right on the ground on uh, with reality. Right. So we did that, pursued that for about a year and then we got the approval. So basically the college, the honors class basically got our tickets to go home, basically. And um, we were able to build a classroom for the underprivileged children there in one of the most rural parts of Nepal. And we did not even know, uh, I, I, I guess we were taking, you know, we were not even aware those places existed uh, when we were in Nepal. So we were able to go to these very um, um, rural area. And then the school we were able to build a classroom for was um, started by one of our um, seniors in high school. And the whole motto or the goal of the school is they want to remove money from the transaction. So they, what they do is for the uh, children to come to school, their parents have to volunteer two days in a month. And that's their tuition for the children. They have to volunteer in the school. They don't have to pay any money, but they have to volunteer two days each parent at the school doing, you know, you can do dishes, you can do any form of things, but you have to volunteer two days of time. And that would yeah. really get your children um, tuition for that month, basically. So that's, that's the whole concept. Crazy. That is crazy, but it's so successful. It has two branches now already in Nepal. And Dude, that's awesome. Went, yeah. And it's called Maya Universe Academy. If anybody wants to research, you can just go to the website. But yeah, so we went there. And that is when I, my like switch flipped really. Um, it was, it was, it was a very rural part of Nepal and you would see like people from all over the world, like people from Australia, New Zealand, and you know, many parts of Europe, the U S and God knows where, like there were so many people. <laughs> and the, even one of the, one of the co-founders was, was a person from Korea who would speak fluent Nepali. So wow. it, was, it, was, it was crazy. So um, the children were j just there. And then there's the seven-year-old kid, which who I really told him, you know, jokingly, like, what do you want to become in the, in the future? And I was not obviously expecting an answer, but what he said was he wanted to become a teacher. And I was like, okay, interesting. Why do you want to become a teacher? Just kind of like to kind of, uh, you know, pursuing him a little bit more. And then what he told was, you know, at that age, he, he said, um, I've been very fortunate to come to this school and I know a lot of other children who are not as fortunate um, as me and I wanted to be able to help them is what he said. I was like mind blown by that because this kid actually commutes two hours a day to come to school and he is the one who is talking about privilege and here I was a person from the who has the privilege of going to the US, studying yeah. there and coming back to Nepal and trying to do all these things, that really um, you know, got my senses working in terms of how privileged I was or mm -hmm. how much I was taking this for granted. 
Um, so we made a documentary and all of that, and then we showed it to the college. They were impressed. They actually bought our tickets for next year. So next year, <laughs> next year we were able to take not just uh, two students, but more about, we had a group of six or eight, I forget, but six or eight, another students and a professor from our college. And uh, we took them. And now this, the next year we were able to build a library for them and similar instances. It was amazing experience. And these other people had an amazing experience as well. And after that I graduated, but the project still continued. And the president of our college at that time basically gives me a call. I was in Nepal at that time. And what he says is you've been taking our, our students for a very long time in Nepal and I want to know what you're doing with them right now. So I'm going to come. So the president of the college basically comes to Nepal during 2015 and he visits the whole area where we were doing a lot of these projects. He's impressed. And plus he was also able to help out with the, you know, it was the earthquake time. So at that time he was able to help out other schools. And what he did was phenomenal where every, even to this date, what happens is every single year, one Nepali kid um, can come to Kobe Sora College in New Hampshire um, in the U.S. and study for full tuition. Um, the scholarship is covered full tuition by the uh, ex-president and uh, his fund. So that very simple, you know, idea of going back home and trying to do a little bit evolved into this yearly project, which even when we are not there, is actually helping all the students uh, in that school and other parts of Nepal. But at the same time, there's one person every year who comes to the United States for his undergrad, his or her undergrad, undergrad uh, studies for free because of that yeah. nuance. And that Dude. is mind blowing for me. That That's is mind blowing. <laughs> that is mind blowing. And, and I wanna pause you for a second and just reiterate part of some parts of your story. And this is so funny you're bringing this up because I was, before we had ch got on the podcast, we were chatting back and forth and you just said a more one moment or one, you know, in that one moment, someone could exchange a set of words that could change the whole trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because your teacher had asked you to the class and said, hey, what's the one thing you guys want to do that could change the world? We have some funding. What do you want to do? Yeah. And it's funny because Adam Baca, one of my other mm -hmm. podcast guests, got asked the same question, started Day Without Hate, which, you know, helps anti-bullying mm -hmm. and promotes peace in schools. And now connecting it to your story you know you got asked that you were you were just genius you and your friend amigo and <laughs> so they're going oh okay let's see if i can get back to the ball yeah to school to start a scholarship that's crazy and then okay i just want to understand this part so the seven-year-old says i want to be a teacher in that in that moment you were just on it uh, you know those words definitely touched you yeah. and that led to a level of introspection at that moment did you go i don't want to be a cpa or did you end and that, that ended, but you knew you had to finish your degree. Did you end up finishing a degree in business? Yes. So, okay. so I came back um, and then it was, it was obviously, you know, um, the CPA was kind of getting slowly getting dead at that point. And then the next year, it was even more amazing. I, I started loving that work so much and kind of like really being able to, you know, that connection was that, 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 that was the word that I was like, I think I still so much value because that connection that I was bringing from people from um, the US to the people, if many rural parts of these kids and that connection was really valuable for me and for other people in uh, both of them, both of those um, on the other sides as well. Um, finished my degree. Um, and then I, I, in 2015, um, I was kind of like, try. I, I, I had this goal of, you know, 
trying to do something in social uh, social impact. Plus, I had the degree in business, so I wanted to com- combine some of these things and then see what could I do really. And then the earthquake hit, so yeah, I just did not pursue anything in the U.S. After that, after my graduation, I just went back uh, to Nepal for. I had a return ticket for three months. What I wanted to do was for three months, I wanted to go back and help the people. Uh, help and volunteer for the earthquake uh, victims. And I was kind of like trying to do that. And that completely switched another bulb for me because now I was I was thinking about education, social impact on one side, plus my business degree and that kind of stuff and how I can mingle all of those. And then I s- learned a lot more about our tea farm while I was back in Nepal and just how amazing the whole concept is and how it was built and the story behind it and all of that. And then I was like, okay, I was really not looking at my, what I was searching in the whole world was right in my, you know, it was right there in front of my eyes in my family business itself. And I was taking it for granted in a way. So I said to my father, basically, you know what, I want to get into the tea business, not because I know it's, um, you know, not because it's really a profitable business or whatever, but I know it can change lives. And That's I wanted crazy. to get involved. And and the one thing that I said was like, okay, I wanted to get into business. I still remember the area and the time and space where I told that to my father. We were on a uh, on this uh, uh, car ride, um, and there was this um, one temple right there, the main temple of our Hindus and Nepali people right there. And then I told him that in the car, and he said, "Take your time, take two days, think about it, um, and get back to me. But understand one thing." It's very easy to get into tea business. It's very difficult to get out, is what he said. Mm. I had no clue what he what he meant by that. <laughs> uh, Dude, those but, are wise words, man. Yeah, and and it, and it and it and I was like, I don't even have to think about it for a long time. I know I'm going to do this, so I'm actually going to get involved. So I canceled yeah. my tickets for like whatever I had for three months, and then stay ended up staying for about a year, and we started this uh, tea marketing company and. Um, the first tea bars in Nepal, just to educate people in terms of, you know, um, not just the masala chai, but tea is so much more in the whole world. Not just masala chai, okay? That, exactly. <laughs> not, so, not just chai every day, okay? Yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, okay, real quick. Yeah. This is this is so important to, to really understand, I, I think, about your story, though, mm-hmm. is that your... You, you, most people would look at your tea business and go, okay, this, and obviously your success today and go, all right, he's just really good at numbers, you know, and then business and networking. And I, I would beg to differ that your art form is community building, right? And, mm-hmm. and re, re empowerment, just empowerment, like community building yes. and empowerment hand in hand. If, when I think of niche, those are the two words that come to my mind right away, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's part of your legacy too. You know I mean? Dude, you're literally empowered. You <laughs> This little crazy idea now gets people from, gets, you know, one student from Nepal every year to come to America, learn, like yeah. that's crazy. But then at the who same time, thought, like, your tea, right? who would have thought exactly yeah. your tea business today, you know, and this year, I want to talk about that, you mm-hmm. know, with 20, 2020, you didn't get a chance yeah. to really have this aspect of your business per se, but you offer these immersion experiences to your tea estates to mm-hmm. talk us through that real quick. And mm-hmm just what that is because i think that's 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 a part of, and i don't know if you're getting to that and if mm-hmm. i'm jumping the gun here but and no worries um yeah i i can i can get to that as well and then what happened um during this year as well i think that's super related and um 
I think I love the idea about the empowerment and the community building, what you talked about, because yes, that's, I would really consider those very much, um, you know, what I really stand for as well. So the whole immersive tea tourism uh, program that I started really was also kind of like a, you know, idea that came up uh, when I was doing my Kickstarter uh, program. Um, and it's, it's so funny how the whole thing started, but it was just, you know, I was raising some funds through Kickstarter campaign. And then um, just when you're putting those rewards for Kickstarter campaign, I was like, you know, $10 a packet of tea, $20, stuff, blah, blah, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And I was like, why didn't I put a, you know, $5,000 thing. And then I just write, you know, Hey, if I, if you pay $5,000, I'll take you back to Nepal. To my farms. And, and I did that. Right. With, I was not even expecting anybody would donate that. Obviously, like who would donate to a stranger who's saying basically, hey, you know what? If you donate $5,000, I'll take you back to Nepal with me. Yeah, who yeah, does yeah. that? Who does that? But yeah, but apparently like there were some uh, few people. So at the end, we had six people in total, but four people actually donated to that campaign, $5,000 each. So it was, it was crazy. And um, so I was able to take them to Nepal and, you know, I be- being the person I am, I'm not really organized. So by the time they had come to the airport, I had no idea what to do with them, really. And I did not have anything planned, really. So oh, you're, just I, there, you're it, sitting in the airport and you're just sitting there yeah, going, thought, all right, where are we going? What are, what are we trying to do here? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I took them to one of the um, hotels that I had booked, obviously. But uh, the next day, I kind of like talked with my driver, who I had borrowed for a couple of days in Kathmandu and then told him like, you know, hey, I have people from, you know, the US, we want to be able to show them like what really Kathmandu and what really Nepal is. So let's just do that. And then we went from like, you know, different places to places and just drove there, had some very local food and all that. And then people loved it, right? Mm. They just loved it. They were getting some touristy experience, but I was making them immersed into the whole idea of, you know, what that food was. For example, there was this art form where there's Tanka painting we actually went there, saw people doing that, and then kind of like, you know, did a lot of, you know, immersive things right there. Um, similarly, and then after two days, I was supposed to take them back to the farm. And uh, I took them without knowing what to do with them at the farm. I knew I had to show them what was going on at the farm. And generally, tea tours are, you know, you can take people and you can, the people who are in the tour generally are only able to see what the manager wants you to see in a way, right? So many of the tours, I didn't want that to happen in my in my tours. So you I was get like, a very okay. filtered view, a filtered view when you're on a tour like that. Yeah, exactly. So and that's that's not great. So I was like, I want to give them something which is very open. So as soon as you come to my farm, it's kind of like an open book. You can do whatever, you can see whatever, you can, you know, you just feel free, just do that. And then you can talk to whoever if they speak the language and all of that, obviously. But the next day I was talking to my manager. I didn't still, I still didn't have a plan. They're in my farm and tomorrow it's supposed to be kind of like the tour. I still didn't have a plan. That night I talked to my manager and I was like, what can we, how can we give them an experience that they will never forget? And we were just brainstorming in the middle of the night. And then I was like, you know what would be pretty awesome is if we made them carry the baskets, go to like those fields and pluck teas with our farmers. How cool would that be? And then yeah. I was like, that, that is interesting, but why would people do that? And why would you do that? Was kind of like my manager's 
answer. And I was like, no, it's going to be fun. Let's do it. Then the next morning when they woke up, I had like three different baskets. And then I was like, hey, guys, let's carry the baskets, go to the farm and just start plucking. And people in the village went nuts just because, you know, here was this chairman's son, chairman of the far factory's son, carrying a basket and kind of plucking teas alongside all of these farmers. It was just a phenomenon. Yeah, it was unheard of. Right. Yeah. And I was loving it. I was, I was just loving being that, you know, the weird person in like the whole area, just trying to do something different. And and then we that was the time when I really got to know, like, you know, not just me, but all the other people in my tour really got to know how difficult the whole work is. Right. Yeah. How difficult it is to pluck that tea and all of that. And then weirdly, I had forgotten to take a bottle of water. So there we were <laughs> at the it was so such a sunny day laboring to pluck these teas and everything for yeah. four hours oh and then God. we didn't even have water so it was crazy but yeah. we came back and and the whole idea was uh, the what what developed after that was kind of like a, you know giving them an experience where whatever they brought we would uh, make it into convert it into teas uh, within the course of three days so we just rolled the teas we withered them and then you know dried them and all of that and then at the end, what they were able to do was sip a tea that they actually went plucking. They did it everything by themselves and they could take that home. And that was super, super special to them because no other factory, no other tour had ever done that. The best yeah. they could do was go and pluck the teas, take an Instagram photo, and then just show that. That's it. What, yeah. well, I, what I was offering, what I, was, what, what I accidentally offered was a much more immersive program where they were making their own teas and understanding what it takes to make these teas. And it was just amazing. It was, it was, it was such an interesting, um, you know, spontaneous idea that actually grew into- I was into, just gonna say that. Yeah. The level of spontaneity in this and that <laughs> what has led to. And I think uh, here, you know, this story is revealing too, it's just the future, I believe, in, 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 as it relates to the craftsmanship. I think mm. craftsmanship, traditional craftsmanship, when it relates to, you know, leather working or even, you know, welding, you know, metalwork mm. and now tea, you know, and you mm. never would have even think in your mind, oh yeah. Right. And we're going to talk about the craftsmanship and your, your packaging and everything here in just a mm. second, but yeah, you would, I think that's where the future is because you can, it's so easy to just go to the store and pay, you know, a level a price tag and then get the mm -hmm. thing back and then you have it but you have no idea the story you have no exactly. idea connection to it and i think that's a super cool niche where i believe that this you know this industry is headed and uh, i love yeah. that you're already ahead of the curve in that in that respect. <laughs> yeah accidentally i guess accidentally yeah <laughs> yeah but but interesting thing is one thing that i knew i was on a right path was with one tour that i always talk about which was really game-changing because I was taking a chef from Napa Valley uh, to one of these tours. And then I took her. Um, and again, I, as I said, it was an open book kind of stuff. And you could do anything anywhere and all that kind of stuff. And I was with one of the other tour members. And I was teaching her with my manager about the technicalities of tea and all that kind of stuff. And I could not find the chef. So we were like, okay, where is she? And then we kind of like try to find it. And then what the scene that I walk into was amazing. What was happening was she was in the kitchen, obviously. She was in the kitchen with one of our other, uh, one of uh, our cooks at the farm. Um, her name is Pushpa. And um, sh the chef from Napa Valley was sitting on the ground 
rolling the bread and passing it to my um, cook, uh, Pushpa. And she was putting it in the fire, like literally fire for making the bread. And then, you know, they were just giggling and laughing and kind of like, they can't, even, they can't speak each other's language, by the way. Yeah. So, so yeah. they were just giggling, laughing. And then the, our cook was teaching the chef how to roll it correctly and all that kind of stuff. That's what I walk into. And I was like, oh, wow, what did I just do here? Yeah. And the interesting part is, you know, they made the whole dinner that night. And by the time they left, like after three days, they were both crying. And the chef basically gave a bangle that she was wearing to our cook, Pushpa. And Pushpa didn't have anything. So she basically had a hair clip that she gave to the chef. And the chef really told me while coming back that, you know, Michelle, you know what? I'm never going to complain about the kitchens in the US, was her words. Mm. And she's now also sponsoring some of the kitchens that we are building for our um, school um, in the district. So that was that connection. Now, Great. I just realized what I did was connected, this is powerful. Yeah, connected powerful. these, these um, producer. So the chef who had no idea how teas are made to one of the rural parts of Nepal, completely opposite part of the globe. In a rural part, she was making bread with one of the cooks there. And they were both now connected. And Pushpa, who has been making teas for over 30 years, all her life, every day, had no idea who were the people who were drinking these teas that they were making. Now they can put a face to the product both ways. And that is super, super powerful. So and that, on that day, I was like, oh my goodness, I am on to something. This yeah. is great. So, so that, that's, that's like the motivational power of, you know, that connection and connecting the primary producers to the consumers. And that's how, you know, how excited I feel about, you know, these tours. So basically now we take uh, not a big group. It's always four people, uh, mm -hmm. four people at one time. So we go there, we really make the teas from start to finish, immerse you. We basically make you work and make you pay for it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's, how I, that's how I say it is. Um, oh, yeah. dude, that's good. I, I want to say something about that because mm -hmm. you've dismantled social hierarchy in a really unique way. And you, and if you, and by keeping the group small, you allow for that intimacy because mm -hmm. if it had been a big tour of like, you know, I, I'm not sure we can just put an arbitrary number of 20 or 30, right. You start to, she, that chef might not have been able to venture off on your you know, farm and meet the chef and just go exactly. into the kitchen. Never would have happened. Yeah. And it's just beautiful that you've, you focus really on the intimate experience versus scaling it. And that's yeah. something niche that I love about just your approach to entrepreneurship too. You, what you care obviously about scaling and, and let, and we'll talk about this, you know, with mm -hmm. the issues with how tea historically has just been rebranded as uh, from Nepali tea has been rebranded into Indian tea when, mm -hmm. and when it really wasn't mm -hmm. and made in India. But dude, you, you're, you're not focusing on the scale. You're focusing on the impact yeah. and the consistent impact. And so I just want to, you know, honor you there for that for a brief moment and say, dude, you're crushing it, dude. Like seriously. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Because I've talked to, I talked to a few people in the social impact space and they're doing great work, but they're always focused on scale, scale, scale. And I think you're one of the few that sees the value and I don't have to focus on scale just yet. Mm -hmm. Keyword yet. You know? <laughs> I, I, I think there's, there's this, um, there's this, uh, and the inspiration 
um, and I knew this was this was this is actually a concept too. Um, I don't remember the exact word. There's a chocolate company, um, um, Askinov or something. Um, uh, and in the in the book of the founder, what I found there was actually a term for this. It's called reverse scale. And uh, in the impact world, reverse scale basically means I and the company um, we are really focused on creating a difference in an individual level. So we're not looking to you know market our products or anything with you know this many children educated, this many people done. Like we don't want them to be counted as a statistic. Rather, we want to be able to you know have a long lasting impactful success story of like maybe one person, two person, uh, rather than, rather than, you know, engineering this to be a impactful machine where there's hundreds and thousands and thousands of people who are just impacted on a very superficial level. We don't want that. We want to get deep down and maybe reverse scale so that we are impacting like one person's life in such a beautiful way. So I I think that's, that's the kind of like the way I think about it. Well, you said it way more beautifully than I did. So uh, <laughs> you're crushing it, dude. I'm telling you, crushing it, reverse scale. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Dude, so when I first, we'll, we'll jump here for a second. But when, mm-hmm. when I first met you was I had, I was chosen to be a judge at Bonnie's Hackathon event. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the first one meeting. And I think you just had gotten back maybe a few weeks prior. I'm not sure. But I just remember you saying you came back from a tea festival. And I've never been to a tea festival, so I'd love to know what that is. Mm-hmm. But you gave me a sample of a Ganesha green. Dude, mm-hmm. that was, it's probably one of the best teas I've ever tried. Um, wow. Mom, I Thank hope you. you're not listening. Um, <laughs> 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 um, uh, that, that'll get me in trouble. But no, <laughs> uh, dude, it's, it, it was just unreal. And the packaging, you just, you, I remember when you handed it to me, you said this was actually individually woven by uh, a farmer, mm-hmm. you know, on our farm. And I said, what? This is like made in China, bro. <laughs> you know, and that, that was just not naive of me saying that. So, yeah, talk to me about tea festivals for a second. What are those? And yeah, yeah how, how do you, so, what the heck? So, so basically, it's, it's just, you know, um, a, um, an event, a couple of day event uh, in different parts of the uh, country. And tea enthusiasts just come, talk about, you know, listen to tea world is so vast. It's, it's not just the tea that you're drinking, but it's so difficult. It's, it's so vast and it's more of an art and science. And that's why it's so vast. And there's so many different types of teas and all that kind of stuff. So basically it's an event where, you know, thousands and thousands of tea people, people who love tea, just to come to taste teas from all over the world. And at the same time, be there to understand the, you know, the different types of teas and, you know, the technical aspects or the social aspects or the forms of tea and all that kind of stuff. So it's basically an event where we gather, you know, people from all spectrum, like producers, consumers, anybody who loves tea, anybody who wants to know about tea and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a very interesting, fantastic event. And I'm glad you came up uh, with the idea of the packaging because I don't know if you have seen our new packaging. It, it is similar, but it's we've gone uh, one step further. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about that, actually. So, um, and you can see that on the website as well. The labelings and everything has changed a little bit, mm. but still it's hand-woven bamboos. 
so previously I was just selling teas and, you know, the packaging that was coming from China. Didn't, I didn't even know who was making it because I was getting it through a wholesaler or whatever. And again, the level of spontaneity and then just kind of the level of, you know, um, luck in a way, how it plays in like those decisions. It's crazy. Sure. Because yeah, I was coming, nice. I, I was coming to Watson. I needed a way where you know everything came in from Nepal, packaged and everything, and it had to withstand the journey from Nepal to the U.S. Right? I'd have level, some level of durability. Yeah. So I was yeah. struggling to find a package because if I was bringing in those pouches, it's just going to get crushed and crumbled and everything by the time it reaches the U.S. So I needed to find something, and then I came up with these bamboo pouches individually woven by the farmers with our own um, you know bamboos that's another level of individual impact because we're having all of these farmers get additional income for the packaging so that's one the other thing is they actually are so durable that by the time it gets here it's exactly in the same form as it is there in Nepal and it also solves one other problem for us which is packed at origin so no one else has touched your teas and the tea that you're opening is you're opening it for the first time after it has been packed by our farmers. Just mm. think about that. There is no middleman, nobody else touching your teas except for the producer and you as the consumer. So we're basically connecting the producers and the consumers just on a product level as well. And then hey, that's, take it, that's awesome. And to take it one step further to make your tea more fulfilling in a way. And I care about this a lot. And that's why on the, uh, uh, the backside of our new packaging, you'll find a QR code and it's not gonna take you to, a, of course it's gonna take you to our website, but it's the information there is very valuable and very personal to me as well. And it also takes us one step further about connecting the producers and the consumers. So when you scan that packet of tea, what you'll get is a whole journey of your teas. When exactly was it plucked? How was it plucked? How many farmers were involved? You'll see the faces of the farmers who actually plucked your teas. It goes to the processing level. How many farmers were involved in processing? How many kilos was made from that batch? How many, you know, what lot was that tea from? All that kind of stuff to how it was packaged with the bamboos, how it came to the US, when it was delivered to you. So you'll see the whole journey of the tea Dang. and you'll be able to see that farmers, producers, pictures. And when you drink that tea, it's going to make a completely different cup than without knowing the story. And again, on a product level, we take it one step further. And this is a lot of work, believe me, like for me to do it manually, but I love it because mm. that is my ultimate goal of, you know, connecting the producers to the consumers in any way possible. And this really gets me to do on a personal level who might not be able to, you know, go to the farm, cannot afford to go to the farm and all that kind of stuff, but they can actually buy the product and really feel that connection right there. And Dude, what's more interesting. You've humanized is, it, man. You've humanized it. In that, such a beautiful that's way. the word. That's the word. Yeah. And, and plus with every packet, you get a letter on the backside. You'll have a signature of one of the farmers. It could be anybody. And that's, mm -hmm. that's there. So every single packet is very much individually, has an individual identity in a way. Um, so yeah, and so that's, that's been a big step for us in terms of transparency and in terms of 
impact and in terms of connection. You know, that is what we want to foster. That, you know, every single cup of tea, you need to understand how many people are involved, how many people actually, you know, were taken to just make these teas and bring this tea to you. And yeah. it just makes your cup very fulfilling. I, I love that. Nish, this is awesome. And I'm going to have to put in an order because it's been a while since I've had some. So now mm. that I want to check out this new packaging and experience that too. And I, 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 it's funny that you bring that up because I was just doing, um, I was speaking with a, this other girl that she works on a, she works on a clothing company mm. and she, she, and she brought up to me, she said, Hey, what would, what would be the one thing you would do if you were in my shoes? And I would say, well, you, you said you have your aunt and your grandma help you with this put a couple videos up of, of them helping you stitch this together because it, it takes it a, that much, that step further than it's just hanging on a hanger at a store. I'm mm. now seeing part of that journey. And dude, as I said, you're yeah. ahead of the curve, man. You're ahead of the curve because I feel, <laughs> I feel that, and it's weird because you're doing it all by accident. You know, it's not deliberate. Yeah. And that's, I think the big thing about, you know, for young people that are listening to this podcast Nish is not a guru. He's not. <laughs> I am he's, not. He's just a you know this dude that has this passion. It's just just a very humble, very humble Nish. You're extremely humble, but just you have just tried ideas, and when when something works and it sticks, you're you're assessing the outcome, and it goes, oh okay, yeah, this is a this is kind of working. Let's keep iterating on it, and 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 we're rolling with it. And that's the thing, dude, yeah. about you, man. You're just you're a hustler. <laughs> Spontaneous and, I, and a hustler, dude. Yeah. And I, and I give that, I think one of the biggest advice that I can really give anybody um, who is like, you know, you said 16 year olds and people who are, you know, just thinking about doing something, the real advice or suggestion, if you will, is just do it. Mm. Really. Like, just do it. <laughs> If, if you if you start deliberating on, you know, getting through a lot of research about, oh, is this business idea great? Is this good? Do I do this? Do I do that? You'll always be doing that. You'll never do it. Mm. And the reason I say that is very personal to me as well. If I had known how difficult the tea business really is, if I had known that earlier, I would have never gotten to this. Yeah. So I, I, you need to be a little naive when you start and not do much thorough research. Just go with your heart. And, you know, if you believe in it, if you think you believe in it, just do it and then mm. see what, 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 what's there. And I yeah. think that is going to take you to a whole new level of experimentation. And, you know, you'll try to make it work. And that's the beauty of it. Like if you do a lot of research and go through numbers and blah, blah, everything before even starting or uh, starting a small step on the idea towards the idea, you'll never start. Yeah, I, I always, I love that you put it that way. And the, I always say this to a lot of, you know, young, young entrepreneurs and people, you know, I'm a young entrepreneur myself. And I always have to remind myself, I want to get this tattooed somewhere or on the wall, mm -hmm. but focus on purpose over process. Mm -hmm. Literally, if you believe right. in something, you don't need to sit there and know every little thing about the industry. If you exactly. believe in it, just keep going, chase that passion. Cause mm -hmm. you're going to keep meeting the right people. You're going to go to the right places. And right. that's it. That's the key. So, dude, Nish, exactly. you're, you're, you're awesome, bro. I appreciate that. So, <laughs> Thank you. Huh? Yeah. Dude, I well. want to know this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what do you wish? Because, you know, you were in Watson Institute and you were a little bit, you, you know, you were a little, much older than a lot of mm -hmm. the scholars in the program. 
And I know that people had obviously looked up to you. I looked up to you when I, after <laughs> I met you. I was like, this guy is just, what the heck? He's just, he got it all figured out, felt like, you know? And you've obviously had a lot of downfalls. Mm. Can you pinpoint back to a moment where you experienced a ton of failure with Nepal tea and what you learned from that? Just because I think it's very easy to get caught up in the, yeah, this is, we've talked about all the positives so far, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think, I think being, being an entrepreneur or doing something on your own is really lonely when you start. It's really lonely, really. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things uh, was that I was, um, one, of the, one of the things is kind of, I was kind of lonely when I started the whole journey. And that is, you know, those are one of the downfalls that you need to be prepared of in a way. Where lonely in terms of what I say is, you know, when you're starting out, uh, basically, you'll be, I, I give it my perspective and my journey, and you can kind of like relate to that. I think most of my friends um, were going to Wall Street or many other tech firms earning hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And that is lucrative. Obviously, like, why would anyone deny it, right? Right out of college, you get a great job, you have like all the money in the world to spend and all that kind of stuff. When I was starting out, thank God I have good friends. What I what what used to happen was I had no income for almost two or three years, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I would get, um, in a way, I would be kind of, I would really not even go to some gatherings because I couldn't afford it, really. I couldn't afford to get a drink. So I would, I would just deny it and not go really. But these were like really good friends from my very past and they would really come and, you know, they would actually like, you know, they would not let me pay anywhere. And these, these, those were the humbling times, obviously, but they're, everybody is completely in their own world and you're trying to do something which is very different and you you might not even have people. And I, I felt the same thing. I was in my, I couldn't afford an office. So I was in um, my, one of my rooms and just trying to make this thing work. And I was lonely a lot. Like it's, yeah. it's uh, the conversations is not the same because it feels like nobody understands you. And mm -hmm. until and unless you actually talk about things or find the right group of people you won't be understood in a way. You, basically, you're crazy in a way just to be starting and uh, starting so early or kind of doing all these things. And it's lonely too. And I think a couple of things that really changed that is the experiences that I had from like, you know, some like-minded people in many different parts of the country where I did go for programs. And then Watson. Before that Watson, I was confused. I had no idea. And it's always confusing. One day you wake up with so much energy so yep. much energy that you're going to change the world. And then the second day you wake up with an email from FDA saying, oh my goodness, okay, what am I doing? What, what is going to happen to me? Okay, am I going to jail or what? Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be that ups and downs and ups and downs of so many different things. And it's just, you know, you got to have patience and persistence. Uh, but yeah, I think those two words have really kept me going. But when we have to think about it, it's lonely. And I screwed up my health for a while also. And it's, it's, just, it's just very difficult. And then the most difficult part, I think for me, if you talk about, um, you know, 
the social impact space. I don't know if a lot of people talk about this, but if you had to talk about, you know, not really a failure, but one thing that really bugs me a lot um, in the mind and my heart is, you know, social impact space is a place where you're trying to create a social enterprise which will be sustainable through money and all of that, and, uh, and at the same time, impact at a lower level. But you're constantly debating about, is this the right thing to do? And the reason I say that is because I bring out stories about my farmers. I talk to them. I bring these stories. And it's, I sometimes feel that, am I commercializing their life in a way? Am I doing mm -hmm. that? I mm -hmm. question that myself. So it's sometimes I get that guilt of, you know, I sold a tea cup or a tea packet or whatever by talking about a story of my farmer. Did I just commercialize his life or life? Is kind of an ethical question that really, you know, you, we need to understand where, right, how that thought is coming about and that those questions are very difficult. Um, I don't know if that answers your, like, you know, the exact yeah, guys, um, thing about guys. failures, but these are the things that I deal with on a daily basis, right? Oh. And it's crazy. But Yeah, Nish, I mean, dude, thank you for the vulnerability because I love where you're taking this question. I was, I was expecting you to just talk to a moment. Um, and then this is what you learned, but this is, this is going even deeper and, and into the, you know, mental health, which is a subject most entrepreneurs don't often speak about. Mm -hmm. Um, and a few are, and um, I appreciate that they are, um, because it's hard. Um, but dude, when you were first starting out, you're just lonely, it's isolating. And then uh, I can only imagine if you're experiencing a couple parallels to those moments now being isolated during the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. Cause you're not in the heart of New York, you're on Long Island. So that's a little bit different, but um, dude, man, I ethical question about, are you commercializing um, other people's life? That is a hard one. And I would, I don't know, I guess, you know, I don't know you're throwing this out there and this is what I'm feeling to tell you right now mm -hmm. is that when you feel moments of shame and guilt like that, you, you got to look back and go, what have you done? for people and yes that I think those moments are always going to be there because brand deals are coming your way you're now you know in the subscription box of sip spy and mm -hmm. you, I mean things are just going for you bro and you're going to keep going um and growing going and growing and you have to look back at you're fighting for that seven-year-old that 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 looked at you in the eyes and said I wanted to be a teacher mm -hmm. look at all the people that you have sent to school Look at all the people that you have employed and empowered, right? It's so easy to get caught up in the, sh uh, the shame and the guilt, but just recognize that, dude, you are, this is your legacy. You're doing it. <laughs> and I, and that question, it's good probably to have wrestle with that question often and have mm -hmm. that lens when you're, you know, approaching a new thing for your business, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I would just say, try to, try to walk away a little bit from that guilt. Because mm -hmm. you've done great things, bro. You've done really great things. So thanks, Omar. Little bit, yeah. little word, small word of encouragement <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, Dude. thanks. Really helps. Like I, I, I guess that's that's where it's called. That's where you know we derive all of our you know thoughts and processes just from you know these conversations, which are difficult. Obviously, there is there isn't like a you know this is yes. It's not a yes or no question. Obviously, and then and then and then it's it's really helpful coming from you know people like you um just 
you know, being open to kind of like discussing this question a little bit more kind of stuff. So thank you, really. Yeah, I mean, indeed, you're advocating. Just think about it. You're shedding light on this this, this episode mm-hmm. right now, right? Someone's going to listen to this and maybe they've never, <laughs> they're the only tease they know about. And this no no shaming anyone, but you know it's celestial seasonings or the Starbucks chai tea or Chivana. You know maybe that's all you know. And you're shedding light on a completely different industry and a story, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's powerful. And you know, I hope people go check out Nepal Tea. You know your website, put an order. You're on Instagram. You're mm-hmm. everywhere. So people check it out, dude. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to tap into this real quick before we mm-hmm. close, and it's kind of just the story of because you brought up immersion. And in America, you had been around, obviously doing a little bit of undergrad, then you, your businesses all revolve around immersion, but just the story of church. Oh, I, mean, I remember that you brought this up right before we talked in the podcast as, mm-hmm. as something that you wanted to bring up. So yeah, I'll let you tell that story. Yeah. And I'll chime in where I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, I think what, um, we, um, as normal people, I guess we try, we, um, I'm looking for that right way to say this is we are so much just bound by what we want to listen to, what we want to see, what we want to experience and all of that. Sometimes I think it's so much better just to kind of like go a little, be a little uncomfortable, go outside your comfort zone and try the different things. And then the church thing comes up just because I, 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 a lot of my friends in Nepal, some of my friends, um, were uh, Christians and then I, I I loved it and I went to church and it was a very different experience and that was my view of church basically and some you know movies and all these things that everybody um, sees it and that was my like very narrow view of the church and then yeah for some random weird day night actually Amar comes in and then he's like I, I think there was a, I, I don't know, like five or six of us. And then. We, yeah. I mean, dude, I was just sharing this story in another podcast saying, Hey, we, I really hope no cops traffic enforcement listen to this because <laughs> Nish was one of those people we stuck in the trunk. <laughs> Everyone's like lying <laughs> on each other. Yeah. It was, we just gathered everybody and put it, put it, put it, put it in the car. And then we just went to church and I was just expecting, you know, you know, yeah, church, how, like, I had never been to kind of like those different kind of mass. And then it was just, you know, I was not expecting anything to be so interesting, you know, and we get there. It was like a concert. It was amazing. Everybody was just (laughs) there singing. And then the whole, it, it was more like, you know, it was, it was talking about a lot of different things, very deep thoughts. And then the best part of it, I thought was, well, this is not a church that I had seen in the movies, or this is not a, the church that I had kind of experienced back in Nepal or any other parts in the US. Like I thought church was so conventional and you know, there's a certain way of doing things. And I thought of it as like a very religious, you know, space and it is religious, I guess, but there I saw people, so many different people from so many different backgrounds and everything. And then there was just people singing and you know singing to us one song there were people there talking about you know one i think one story about uh, i don't remember the exact uh, story what they were talking about but like uh, an experience and then they were talking they were giving examples of you know 
like the 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 people that we can actually relate to at this time and then it was just amazing it was a fast i i did not at all feel like a church it, i thought it was a very nice humbling concert and it just <laughs> completely awesome, completely changed my view of the church and it was just it was just it's just fascinating i i don't think i'd have ever known that this is what happens in a church if i had not yeah. gone there that night and it was very yeah. humbling oh yeah. and i and i remember awesome. now and i remember the best part for me was i think there was some people um the 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 person who was speaking had a few people come to the front who were thinking about the bad things that had happened or something and then they would come to the front and there were other people randomly coming in and giving them hugs and just talking to them and all that so i was like what the hell this is great yeah like, this is where else would you be able to go and do that it was yeah. it was amazing so did I love that you what you're talking I remember that moment too because Andrew Matrone had invited a bunch of people on stage and he said hey like if you anyone's feeling down um just from this crazy year because it was right before Christmas we mm-hmm. just want to like hug on you and love on you and I was sitting there going huh I wonder who from the group our group is going to go up there because I know you you are uh each of you the entrepreneurs the group the group of guys that I brought to church that day had been all going through something on that mm-hmm. mental health level I don't know what it was and I just remember um Yeah. seeing you go up and Yuri go up and I I was really blown away by that because you know you hear you guys are visitors you know and mm-hmm. here's this body of people that's how I was often yeah. in church it doesn't need to be something so systemic and organized and it was just body of people who were just here's here's our shit here's what we're going through yeah. and this is I'm just going to talk and I'm going to try to not solve it I just want people want to listen and right. you need that and I think that yeah. goes back to a little bit about just your journey at the beginning doing mm-hmm. entrepreneurship you had friends that were advocates and stand stood by you regardless of you being broke or yeah. you know not necessarily taking the common path in wall street and that i think that's a thing that people need to realize you know we're not i think the moral of this you know you sharing this story and is it's not about going to church it's about finding community even your despite your discomfort exactly if you know you have something that you care about right Mm-hmm. take that one step even though maybe you're introverted maybe you're super extroverted mm-hmm. you're worried about how you'll dominate the room or you're too shy get that i try to battle that and then i know that's not mm-hmm. easy and just go into that space enter that space and you'll be surprised what might happen yeah and that's what and happened I, for you dude yeah yeah and i and i one of the things that i i think uh, i remember saying this was and now i'm thinking about it i said the exact uh, line where you know i am not a christian but i felt i belonged there kind of stuff mm. right so that was that time and space where everything was happening and it, nobody was asking me were you a christian or you know all that kind of stuff religious um things but i knew like it was it was so peaceful and it, it was just you know it was just i knew like i belonged in that time and space and that's what i loved about it so yeah yeah dude i love that and i love that you you framed it that way where you felt just belonging I think yeah. so many of us right now like we're battling that every day you know and with restrictions yeah. you know that it's ebbs and flows with restrictions sometimes oh, it's closed, sometimes it's open sometimes you wear a mask sometimes hey look you know whatever and it's just about finding where you belong right yeah. and I think this entrepreneur journey this you know side hustle journey whatever it is mhm is you know, you find that community and you can keep going I did Absolutely. I love that man dude okay yeah. last question yes i'll try and, to be brief 
<laughs> no, no, no. I, I have no, not been good. brief at all. <laughs> Dude, no, well, no worries. No sweat. I love, mm-hmm. I love your answers. I want to know because your dad played a huge role in your life. I mean, at 16, he advocated for himself to try to get land um, near Darjeeling. You know, he was in Darjeeling, India is, has a really lucrative tea, tea industry. But at 16, he wanted to start his own in Nepal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe your dad isn't your biggest mentor, but I would just love to know how has mentorship changed your life and your journey to chase your goals today? Yeah, um, I think it's super important. It's, it's, it's very, very, very valuable um, to have people who can guide you through all of this. As I said, and as probably everybody knows, running your own business or venture or any kind of enterprise is very difficult, first of all. And you as an individual will never, ever, ever have all of the answers. Never. Not a single individual is going to have an answer for all of the things that go on. And I think mentorship is not just, again, that feeling that um, the, the thought of, you know, when you're starting out, you're pretty lonely. And that is also, that also comes, um, that also plays a vital role in really trying to find and get mentors and mentorship in general. Because these are the people who are your cheerleaders, really right? Your mentors are basically your cheerleaders and who are basically supporting you every step of the way by guiding you in and just trying or helping you not to make the same mistakes that they did. That's their job in a way. And it's been super, super, super helpful. I'm so humbled. Like the mentors that I had in Watson who were kind of like matched by Watson, I have a week monthly call with one of them every single month. I still talk to him. He's still guiding me. And the um, other mentor, he's still a very uh, helpful person who is helping me in so many different decisions, business decisions. Also, similarly, you know, my father, he's, he's always there. He's always been there. And I think, you know, the positivity and kind of the energy that he, sh- you know, shines, it's never going to be, you know, um, that's always going to be helpful and empowering and, and all sorts of things. But at the same time, I think it's just, you know, it's super, super important. It's when you, and and mentors don't have to be, you know, very successful people in so many, they don't have to be that. It's really somebody who has a different perspective or the same perspective in a different way or however you want to take it. But somebody who's there, who you can go and rely on some feedback, decisions, whatever. Um, They're just there to help you. And it's so interesting. And it's so important to just understand that, you know, if you are trying to do something, or if you're doing something very much, don't, don't, don't hesitate to ask for help. Hmm. You'll be surprised by how many people will, you know, back up to help you. Like, it's just that matter of going to people, telling them, hey, I need help with this or that or whatever. Like, don't be hesitant in asking for help because there's a band of, like, there are a few bad people, obviously, but there's a band, band, the majority of the people in this world are great and they're, they will lie down to help you out if, you, if, if you're doing the right thing. So don't ever hesitate to ask for help and kind of like, you know, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. that's my final words in a way. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I mean, I love, I just love, it warms my heart, dude, to hear your, 
your perspective on mentorship because this is something that everyone has a purpose to mentor. And that's a BC Serna quote. Um, shout out BC. Love you, man. You, you inspired me a ton. But just, you know, putting it back, redirecting it to you, dude. You know, you, you're, you're sitting there and you don't know all the answers. But I love that you have made yourself accessible. I noticed that about you, right? And I, I, I have seen how when you're sitting in a room, you're not in the back trying to just isolate yourself away from people. You're right there. You meet people right where they're at. You go and you've asked people, hey, I was, you, you know, you relate to them right away. I've seen you do this. Hey, I was in your state before. This is what I did. Um, try doing this. I've seen it with my own eyes sitting there going, wow, Nish literally just gave away something that took him two years to figure out in two minutes. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I've seen that. I've literally seen that. I'm going, huh? And I think that's just something that is a really good reminder to all of us that might have where we are today. No one is where they are today without some tool, with some way. Oh, I, I, to, and, you know, sitting there going, okay, here's what I've, what I got, but I want to take this knowledge and just bless someone else with it. Because if they can go off and do a greater impact than myself, I want that. I don't yeah. care for the spotlight. And that that's an exercise. That's a decade long mm-hmm. exercise of, you know, not, not trying to be in the spotlight and just be a servant. And so, dude, love the seeds that you're planting. You're doing big things, man. I appreciate Thank you. How you, can man. people support uh, Nepalti? A uh, lot of different ways. First okay. thing. Tell us the ways. First thing, spread the word. Spread the word. Spread the word about tea. And the second thing, basically, not just Nepalti, but tea industry in general, I think, ask the question, where does your tea come from? Not just tea. Where does your coffee come from? Where does your, you know, whatever the shirt you're wearing comes from? When you know your source, I think the biggest thing that can happen is the farmers, the people who are the real producers, they are empowered with that one question. So whatever the product, whatever the service, whatever you guys are you know, consuming on a daily basis or whatever, just try to ask that question, where does it come from? Where does it come from? And in terms of specifically Nepalti, um, visit our website, give us feedbacks, buy some teas if you want to try, if you want to, you know, um, see what we're trying to do and give us feedbacks in terms of how the teas are and everything. And then we have a separate foundation, uh, which is nepalteafoundation.org. If you go to impact uh, tab on our website, it'll take you to the other foundation page. There are many different ways to support. Uh, we are co- constantly coming up with very different um, ideas on how to you know, further our mission of education. And we recently also started our sponsor a child program where we're matching donors with um, a, a, a children uh, children in different parts of Nepal. And basically we're kind of, again, connecting people in a way and the donors and the, you know, the children that they are connected, they're matched and the donor basically takes care of, um, you know, the education expenses for however long they want. They develop a relationship themselves and we are just facilitating that relationship. And, Again, you know, some people's words, some people's, you know, finances and it, those little things can go a long way for to other people. And I think, yeah, just connection is kind of the word here. And that's what we're doing. So feel free to browse our website. And yeah, you can share my email address with anybody at any time. I'm very good with emails. So I'm actually going to reply to all of them. Um, and uh, yeah, just if there's anything else you want to know, want to do or anything just yeah feel free to uh, shoot me an email and i'll be there 
Heck yeah. And that email is uh, nbanskota at nepaltllc.com. And I'll, I'll throw that in the description mm-hmm. of this podcast. Dude, thank you so much for being on the Project Illumination Thank show. you, Omar. Thank Miss you. You're crushing it, bro. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Omar.